Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features senior pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. And now, here's Pastor Eric. God's perfect time. It was God's perfect time and date. The due date had arrived. Everything was ready. In Galatians 4, verses 4 through 5, says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. You know, Christ was born for you and for me. The exact time, the appropriate date, when everything was ready, just the right time, the Son of God, the Son of Mary, was born. I wonder how many of you moms kept a baby book? Can I see some hands? You got a baby book? Did we, do we have a baby book? I'm wondering, yeah, I was kind of wondering where it was. It's in the garage, kiddo. Uh, you know, by the other two, guess what? You don't have baby books. Like, how many of you kept a baby book on the, like, the second and third child, right? And those of you that, oh, did you, good job. Or the time that, they, that those that had like, you know, seven kids, I don't know. By then, the baby books are long gone. But some of you kept a, a baby book. We have, in the Gospel of Luke, the baby book that Mary kept, if you will. Did you hear what Jan read in Luke 2.19? Luke wrote, But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Many believe that Mary was one of Luke's sources for his historical account of the life and ministry of Jesus. Luke is a medical doctor by trade. He is a a, a Gentile. And he wanted to write, as you saw in Luke 1, verses 1 through 4, an orderly account, a historical account. And so he, he went and consulted the sources. And I imagine that he spoke with Mary. And he knew how Mary treasured up these things in her heart. He listened to her as she told about the baby book and, and described the birth. And he was able through the, right, the Holy Spirit and even the inspiration revealed to him to, to pin this for us so that years later we can read it. But can you imagine what it must have been like if Mary, if Mary shared that with Luke, that nativity story? So we're going to join with them this morning as they share three scenes with us. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 38 in three scenes. Scene number one. The birth of Jesus. If you were here last week, you saw the true Christmas story really contains a birth announcement, another birth announcement, and then a visit where these two women meet, Elizabeth and Mary. A birth announcement about the messenger, a birth announcement about the Messiah, and the two women meet, and then you have the birth of of the messenger of John the Baptist, and then you have now the birth of Jesus. Our first scene today found in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days... A decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world, all the Roman world of that time, now including the Jews, should be registered. This was the first registration, there were many, when Quirinius was governor of Syria, 
And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage, the ancestry of David. He went to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, his engaged, a very serious, more serious than our culture's engagement and betrothal, who was with child, right? Verse 6, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those of us who are under the law, so we could receive adoption as sons and daughters. She gave birth, verse 7 says, to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in swaddling cloths, swaddled him up. Our babies used to love to be swaddled. And she laid him in a manger that's surely a, a feeding trough. Why? Because there was no room for them in the inn. The Bible tells us about the birth of, of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. The Bible oftentimes shows us that only God can orchestrate a move. And He can orchestrate a move anytime He wants, right? Just go back and see in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis. See Abraham, right? Go, move, Abraham, to a land that I'll show you. And God tells a lot of people, go move here and, and go do this. And God can move people at any time. He can move them in any way, at any place that He wants. We already see in Luke chapter 1 that it's God, not Caesar, nor any human being that's in control. Luke tells us that in those days the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that everybody should be registered and that it was this decree that moved Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem while Quirinius was governor of Syria. But we know, based on already in Luke chapter 1 of all that's going on, we know based on the Bible as a whole that God is the one that, that's sovereign and He orchestrates these things. He's moving them to the house of bread, uh, to Bethlehem, to the house of David to be registered there because that would be where the Messiah would be born. That would fulfill prophecy written in Micah chapter 5, written you know, 500 years before Jesus was born. This is where the Messiah had to come from and God said, yeah, I'll, I'll move you to that city. God's in control. God used Caesar Augustus to move Joseph and Mary those 80 miles to Bethlehem. But God would use an angel army to move the shepherds to Bethlehem. He can do whichever He wants, correct? Amen? God's going to move them all to Bethlehem to fulfill His prophecy and to fulfill His promise. God was moving. And what a special time in history when, when God would break through the silence and those years of silence and, and move things together when the fullness of time had come. Oh, the due date had arrived. Things needed to be in place. And God would, would get them in place. And so Joseph goes up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, verse 4, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David. David, He goes there to be registered with Mary, a very serious engagement or betrothal. She is with child. Mary, it seems, is also from the line of David. Joseph from the line of David, Mary from the line of David. It's without a doubt that Jesus is from the line of David. He's the only one right nowadays that can track his lineage back to King David. The Messiah would be born, a king, a son of David, and so he is the son of David. He is the, the son of God. And Luke just gives us in verse 7 this short, simple, but powerful birth account. Look at it. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. 
It's almost like you want more, right? Wouldn't you like to know more of the story? But that's all that he needs. It's short, it's simple, it's powerful, and you know what? It's true. It's true. He doesn't need to embellish to impress. If you're making it up, you embellish it to impress. If you just try to impress people, you, you, you give more to it. But it's true. It's just simple. It's like this short statement of, I have no need to embellish this. I just need to tell you that she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling cloths and she laid him in a manger because there was no room in the inn. Wow. It is a humble birth. It's meant to show us that, right? This humble birth for the, the Son of God, the King of Kings, the Eternal One, the, the Alpha and the Omega placed in a manger. What about you? Are you a person that arrives early or late? Some of you like to arrive early. Some arrive late. Maybe your child arrived early or maybe your child arrived late. If Joseph and Mary had arrived late in the evening, it would just make sense that there would be no suitable room to be found because of the census crowd. The census crowd is there. There's no room for them in the inn. There's no guest rooms because the city is swollen in size. People are there to register and they get there a little late. Now God is God, right? God's in control. Could God have let them get there earlier? Yes, right? Could God have let the 80 miles go quicker? Of, of course. So the question is sort of this, well, what's God up to? Or maybe this, what's God trying to communicate? And God's trying to communicate to us humility that the Son of God would become a, a Son of Man so that the sinful sons of men could become sons of God, right? God's saying something. And it was certainly a manger, which means a feeding trough. We don't know anything about a stable, right? It could have been a cave. The feeding trough, the manger, could have been a shelf in the cave. It could have been something in the floor of a house. You know, all we know really is, is the manger. We, don't, we give it that you know, American-looking uh, stable thing, but, but it just says, look, if it was a cave, uh, then she placed him in the place where the feeding area, the manger, the, the trough was. There's no room for them. A humble, humble birth. It's the first scene. It's true. The second scene is this one. It's the announcement to the shepherds. The announcement to the shepherds. In Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 21. Let's read it. And in the same region, in that region, in that, in that area, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel, one angel of the Lord, appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear, with awe, but with holy terror. And the one angel said to them, Fear not. I told you there are four fear nots in the nativity story. You should, you should go find them. Fear not, for behold, check this out is what that means, I bring you good news. Uh, gospel is what it means. We get our word evangelized from it. I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 11, for unto you, not just unto Mary and Joseph, but unto you, even you shepherds, even you in Adairsville today. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. They weren't quite there. They were in that region. A Savior, a Rescuer, a Messiah, an Anointed One. He is Christ. He is the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. you. You can check this out. This is what you will know to be true because I'm sure you have questions. Right? You're going to find this baby. This is where he will be wrapped in swaddling cloths. 
were already told that he was prepared that way and lying in a manger. Verse 13 says, And suddenly there was with that one angel a multitude, an angel army of the heavenly host. The heavenly host is an angel army. Praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, here's their discussion, let's go over to Bethlehem, perhaps not too far away, and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Very graciously, right? That He made known to these unpeople, unclean, and untrained, not rabbis, just shepherds. Verse 16, and they went with haste. They made a hurry and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a feeding trough, a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They are evangelizing now. They are announcing to others. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. I love verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and all that they had seen, just as it had been told them. And then we're told about the appearance uh, before the the law and the, the Jewish customs to obey the Old Testament. And at the end of eight days, when Jesus was circumcised, He was given that name, right? He was called Jesus. It means the Lord saves. The Lord is salvation. The name given by the angel before He was conceived in the womb. We have, secondly, the the scene of this announcement to the shepherds. Maybe these were different kinds of flocks. I mean, I've preached on the shepherds before. We've looked at them. But perhaps these flocks are the temple flocks. Maybe they're the temple flocks used for sacrifices, used for offerings. Maybe these shepherds, even though they were unclean and ordinary shepherds, maybe they were more than just ordinary shepherds watching ordinary sheep. Maybe they're caring for holy sheep, if you will. There are a lot of Jewish traditions that seem to think so. And then what we have is this, right? We have the ultimate lamb being born, the better shepherd, the ultimate shepherd, the ultimate sacrifice coming to us. Jesus is the ultimate temple flock. But it's here that that these shepherds, these sheep, right? they receive this view of of glory, this view of angels and the angels' voices and they're they're singing, they're saying glory to God in the highest. When you think about it, there's a whole lot of announcing going on. The announcing of the angels to the shepherds. The announcing that the shepherds do to others. Right in verse 17, when they made it known, right? that the Jesus, that the Savior had been born. They're announcing the, the good news, announcing the good message. You know, we still have a, a good news to be proclaimed. We still have something to announce. It's the true Christmas story. We still need to evangelize. And the question is this, will you share the message more often? Will we share the true message, the, the message of salvation more often than what we have this past year? Evangelism really just means this. It really just means announcing. Uh, right? In some way, I'm evangelizing today. I'm announcing. Right? You, you can announce the message with a sticker or uh, uh, something on your shirt. Right? You can announce it through music. You can announce it as you read the story. Evangelism is announcing. 
I was thinking about this. I, I don't know about you. Like, we certainly don't need more ads these days, do we? More pop-ups, more advertisements. We don't need more ads, but we do need more announcing. We need more evangelizing. We need to proclaim this message. You know, I think for pastors, like especially like pastors like me who've, who've been around their church for a while, like for nine years, you sometimes feel pressure on this day because, right, they're guests and you bring family and friends, but also this pressure to preach, you know, an amazing story or to, to find some kind of hidden truth in the Christmas story. And this season, I'm just putting all that away. Like, I'm not, I don't have to make anything up. I don't have to dig for something like, ooh, like, aha, to show you or give you this wow moment. I, I want you to leave today and to go, you know what? That was just really simple. You know why? Because it's the truth and it's the true story. And I don't have to embellish and I don't have to impress. It, it, is, it is powerful because it is what it is, right? It's, it's, it's holy. It's the birth of, of Jesus, right? And so uh, I enjoyed hearing this, this pastor this week, this, this black pastor in inner city, just be honest with his congregation and say, look, I... Uh, I felt this pressure, and I just want to be real with you and give you this story. And I thought, I'd, I'd like to do that also. We just announce it, just like the shepherds do. This is the truth. Scene number one, the birth of Jesus. Scene number two, the announcement to the shepherds. Scene number three is this special appearance to Simeon and to Anna. They deserve to be in the nativity scene more than the wise men who didn't come until you know, a year or two later. If anybody needs to be there that's been left out, it's Simeon and Anna. So let's look at what happened 40 days after Jesus was born. All right? Verses 22 through 38. And when the time came for their purification, Mary's purification, according to the law of Moses, 40 days for a son, 80 days if it was a girl, but 40 days, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem. You always go up to Jerusalem because it's on the hill to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the, first opens the womb, that firstborn, shall be called holy to the Lord. You had to redeem them. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. And here's the offering for those that were more poor. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Verse 25 says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous, is good, law-keeping, and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel, waiting for the hope that they hated Roman oppression, they hated Roman rule, they hated Roman taxation, and Rome to tell them to go to, to Bethlehem to register. And Simeon is waiting. He's, he's keeping God's word. He's obeying the laws. But he's also waiting for this hope, this promise of an anointed one that would come. And the Bible says the very last words of verse 25, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the who? Holy Spirit, that he would not see death. This guy would not die. And tradition says he's old, like 110 or something. He wouldn't see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Lord's Messiah, anointed one. And he came in the, what? Spirit, into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and he praised, he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your Yeshua, your salvation. Jesus' name is Yeshua. It's play on. I've seen Jesus. His name means salvation. He is salvation. I've seen salvation. That you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation, not just to the Jews. What does he say? To the Gentiles. And for glory for your people, Israel. 
And verse 33 says, And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them. And notice what he said to Mary, his mother. Behold, check this out, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. A fall and a rising. For a sign that is opposed. And Mary, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. right? Surely at the cross it pierced her to see her son pierced. So that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Then you get this other senior adult, verse 36. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. Or, another translation, for 84 years lived as the widow. She didn't depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. The Bible says, And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child Jesus grew, he became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. You get this appearance account of this appearance to Simeon, this appearance to, to Anna. You know, Simeon never lost hope. We're losing hope in our day and age. It's eroding. It's hard to find hope and to, to cling to it. But Simeon and Anna never lost hope. These were senior adults. They waited over 80 years for the promise, perhaps both of them over 100. So never say that Christmas is just for children. Christmas is for everyone. right? Christmas is for these two, these senior saints, these Old Testament saints. And first we have Simeon. I wanted you to notice as we read how there are three verses that mentioned the Spirit, the Holy Spirit upon Simeon. Verse 25 says the Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26 said the Holy Spirit revealed something to him. Verse, right, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, 25, uh, 26, and then verse 27 says it was the Holy Spirit that, that moved him as he would enter into the temple that day. So, so Simeon is this man that, that's being led by the Spirit and filled by the Spirit and controlled by the Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? In that day and even in our day, the Holy Spirit always does this, always directs to the Word, Jesus, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word, the, the Scriptures. The, the, the sign of the Holy Spirit is this. The Holy Spirit will always line up with Scripture and, and point us to Scripture, and the Holy Spirit will always point us to Jesus. We'll always, we'll always do that. He was moving in Simeon's life. And what does Simeon do? But Simeon speaks of salvation. But he also speaks of suffering. And there would be both. And this would be a new concept to a lot in Israel. There would be suffering that would lead to salvation. How would the Messiah be a suffering servant? Wouldn't he just be a victorious servant? And so I want you to see about Simeon, his four main things. And perhaps we put them on the screen. Simeon's four. I want you to see, number one, Simeon's sanctification. Number two, Simeon's revelation. Number three, Simeon's adoration. And then number four, Simeon's prediction. Verse 25, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous. That's his sanctification. He was set apart. To be sanctified just means to be set apart. And Simeon was different. He was set apart. He was waiting for something special. The Holy Spirit was all over this man. Notice secondly in the next verse is revelation, right? It had been revealed to him, verse 26, by the Holy Spirit that he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And then it's revealed to him, right? He goes into the temple. The parents are there. 
He sees him. He sees the boy. He takes Jesus up in arms. And then you see his adoration in his song. Another one of these beautiful songs, right? Just like Zechariah's song in chapter 1. Just like Mary's song in chapter 1. You now have Simeon's song. Lord, he says, now you're letting your servant, and I am your servant, depart in peace. And I have this peace, this wholeness, this shalom in my life. It's according to your word. Why? Because my eyes have seen your salvation. He declares salvation. He says, Lord, you've prepared this in the presence of all people. It's not just for Jews. It's for Gentiles. It's a light of revelation. It's glory. Christ will be for all nations. Today, we celebrate Christ in Central America. And we celebrate Christ's birth in, in Africa. And we celebrate Christ's birth in, in India and all these places that we adore. Simeon is adoring God. So there's sanctification in Simeon's life. There's revelation in his life. There's adoration in his life. But the last is this prediction. He makes this prophecy. In this prediction, he says in verse 34, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. No, Mary, your, your, your heart will be pierced too, right? Some have said this about Jesus. Jesus is the magnet of the ages. Some he repels, some he draws. It's this rising and this falling, right? Jesus would come, and Simeon says, and it's like this magnet, this holy magnet. Some will be repelled by Jesus and they'll fall away and some will be drawn to Jesus and, and they'll accept, right? And, and Mary, even there, your, your soul will be pierced. The appearance to Simeon and Anna, the appearance to those shepherds, the, the birth of Jesus, this true, amazing story that, that's what's tonight, what, it's what's tomorrow is, is all about. As we wrap this up, I want you to think about what's mentioned in five different books of the Bible. Five different books of the Bible speak about the evidence of two or three witnesses. Do you remember that phrase? That everything be established on the evidence of two or three witnesses? So this testimony needs to be established on the evidence of, of three witnesses. And so here we have the three witnesses. We have the testimony of the shepherds. We have the testimony of Simeon. And we have the testimony of Anna. That everything be established. And this birth is mentioned... And then the testimony is given. Look, here's the, here's the shepherd's testimony. Here's Simeon's testimony. Here's, here's Anna's testimony. This, this is true. They speak of salvation. And so in Luke chapter 2, this baby book of Jesus gives us these pictures of a humble birth, the birth of a Savior, the testimony of three who would join in rejoicing with the parents. They would rejoice at salvation coming to mankind. Just go back. To verse 10 of chapter 2. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. You know, this is what this is. It's what the, the New Testament is. It's what the Gospels are. It, it, they're good news. Right? We have good news. This is the good news today that Christ has been born, that Jesus loves you. Right? The good news is that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. I hope you know that, that good news. I hope you know how special Christmas and Easter are and, and His ascension. There's, there's good news. He, the angel said there that there's great joy. Right? I mean, happiness is cheap these days, but joy is full. And we pray that you have joy, that you know the joy of Jesus. Joy is found in the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Joy is found in, in the Word of God, right? A joy in your heart of saying, right, whatever comes, my, my joy is anchored in the gospel, in the good news 
It is great joy. He says it's for all people, right? All races, all classes, all ethnic groups. It's for black and white and rich and poor and, and, and all people in all places. It doesn't matter what you've done. It's for the good, the bad, the ugly. It's for all people. You say, I'm, I'm too much of a sinner. No, it's for all people. In verse 11, he has that great line for unto you is born. Right? I mean, we, would, we didn't say that when Eliane was born. Uh, there's a Baptist, unto you is born. Eliane Schilling, right on this. Right? Eliane's to, to her parents, right? Now, she gives us this great gift of away in a manger today, but, but this child is different. This child is born to you, for you. He is your Christ. He is your Savior. He is your Lord. Those three titles that are given. In verse 14, the angel's message is this. Glory to God in the highest. Glory, glory. Like we, we give glory, right? We all have a glory problem. We all want glory. We all, we all highlight something, right? We like to self-highlight. We like to, to self-glory. That just shows that we're sinners, right? But the glory here is to recognize that I don't need the glory and I don't need to seek my own glory that I need to give glory to God. That's part of becoming a Christian, right? That we direct the glory and say, God, to you be the, the glory. Glory to God in the highest. And that we be, begin to highlight God in every area of our life. He says, and on earth, peace. Do you know that peace? Many, many don't have peace in their hearts. They don't have peace in their homes, right? You can have peace even when your world's in turmoil. Paul could have peace even in, in jail and in suffering, right? It's a peace that surpasses understanding. But again, peace is found in Jesus. Peace is found in salvation and in, in knowing Jesus Christ as, as Savior and Lord. And so this is the, the story. This is what we proclaim today. I pray that you and that our children and that our teens would know this story better than they would any of the Christmas programs that are going to be on TV today and, and tomorrow. What should we do? If you know Jesus, do the two A's. Just like the shepherds and Simeon and Anna. Number one, adore. And then number two, announce. Number one, adore God. That's what we do today and tomorrow. Adore God and salvation's plan. Adore Him. Oh, come let us adore Him. And then secondly, announce. Proclaim the message. Proclaim salvation. Let others know where peace is found and where there is good news and great joy and, and how we can give God all the glory that He deserves. This is the true Christmas story. I'm going to invite you to bow your head and to close your eyes. What Luke does is, is he continues right, to write. He tells about Jesus' life and ministry. He, he tells about Jesus' works. He gives us Jesus' words and sermons. He leads us to Calvary, the cross. and He leads us to the empty tomb. And Luke takes us to that glorious moment when Jesus doesn't die again, but where Jesus ascends into heaven. He tells us that He's coming back. Luke writes these things so that we would do two things. It's what I would encourage you to do today. Repent and trust the gospel. Repent means to turn away from sin, to turn away from seeking your own glory, to change, to change your mind. Maybe some of you need to repent today. Repent from sin to God. Repent from a wrong attitude to a, to a right attitude. Repent. This is what it takes to become a Christian today. I invite you today to do that, to repent. Change your mind, change your walk, change your life. Turn to God and trust the gospel. Trust the good news. Trust Jesus as Lord and Savior. 
And so with your heads bowed and, and your eyes closed, there is no prayer that you can magically repeat and become a Christian. Be weary of anybody that would tell you that. It has to be from your heart. There, there are no magic words to just say. It has to be faith and repentance in your heart. And maybe you're here today and, and you would say, this Christmas, I, I know that I need to do something in response to this amazing story. I want to tell you this, that you need to know something and you need to do something. First, you need to know something. Know this, that there is a God who loves you and has created you to have a relationship with Him. He wants a relationship with you, but know that you've sinned. We've all sinned. We've all messed up. We're not righteous. We're not pure. And God knows that. He knows that our sins can never be removed by the old way the Old Testament. That's why something new had to break through. In the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so we could receive adoption as sons, Galatians 4, 4 and 5. So know that God loves you. Know that you've sinned. Know that there's nothing you can do about it. Know this, that Jesus didn't remain an infant lowly, that He would go to the cross, that He would rise again, that He would pay the price for our sin. It would be atonement. He would shed His blood. Holy is the manger, yes, but holy is the blood that flowed from from Calvary. Holy is the resurrection tomb. But now the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. The Bible says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so if you'll do that today, if you'll repent and trust the good news, you'll get great joy and peace. You'll get eternal life. It's real. It will last forever. And so I would encourage you to do three things. First, in in your silent prayer, do this. Admit to God that you have a need. Admit to God that you're a sinner. You can pray that now. How do I become a Christian? Believe and, and begin to admit to God that you need Him, that you need salvation, that you need your sins forgiven and paid for. Next, believe. Believe in Jesus. Let Him know that you believe in Him. Confess Him as Savior and Lord. Invite Jesus into your life to be your Lord, your Master, your Savior, your Ruler. Get off your throne and put Him on the the throne. And then see is confess and and call on the name of the Lord to be saved. Confess Him before men. Let other people know. Let, Let somebody like me, like a pastor, know who can walk with you through this. Follow Him in in believer's baptism. Confess Him before men. Perhaps during our invitation song, you want to come forward, and I won't embarrass you, but maybe you want to talk with me more about that. And this Christmas Eve, become a Christian. I invite you to repent and trust the gospel. For those of you that have, go from this place and continue to adore. May this never grow too familiar. Continue to announce uh, the true message of Christmas. Heavenly Father, we love you. And Lord, we thank you. Lord, thank you for the truth. Lord, no need to put a big bow on it in the shiniest of paper and embellish and and wrap it up into something that it's not. But Lord, it's powerful that the very one involved in creating the universe, the very one who holds all things together, sustainer, the Word became flesh for us. A humble birth, a, a humble manger to become like us in order to redeem us to do something that we could never do, fully God and fully man for our salvation. Lord, thank You. Thank You that now we can have mercy with You and and not be struck down for our unrighteousness. So we have no other plea but Jesus. 
Jesus is our Lord. He's our help. He's our rescue. And so, Lord, move in our hearts. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.